Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 26 with our guest, Elena Chapman. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, welcome into the studio. You're tuned directly into the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. The on-air button is doing its thing. I am your host, Josh Carey. Not just a coach and certainly not just a thought leader. My guest today is what you call, and I love this, a soul nurturer can't wait to get deep into that, whose company, Chapman Life Institute, works with clients to identify what they really want to achieve in life. Boy, could I use every minute of that. She is a two-time international bestseller, more than 30 years of deep study with, get this, Bob Proctor, Dr. Wayne Dyer, my goodness, and she's created a truly remarkable community on Facebook for anybody to join. It's called Savvy Sisterhood. I love that. She's dedicated her life to helping others discover their true desires and create happy, fulfilling lives. Where have you been all of my life? It is my guest. It's Elena Chapman. How are you, Elena? Hello, Josh. That was awesome. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You are among, I, I, I just adore, I, I've, I've been looking forward to this conversation because I get it. I embrace it. I live it. I love it. And I'm, I'm so glad to just banter for a little while with yeah. you and get your point of view. You are a two-time international best-selling author. Your, your newest book, the, the title just just lights me up. It's called The Prison Effect. And the subtitle, discover how you are blocking your own happiness and break free to abundance and joy in life. I got to tell you, I've, I've blocked my own happiness for decades. You and your team were uh, generous enough to get me a copy of the book. It, it's so, so good. First, I want to talk about just the title itself, because it's, it's fascinating. It's on point. The Prison Effect. What does that mean? Oh, that is where a lot of our world, our place, people live in what I call the prison effect. What is the prison effect? It is when we are waking up 
not feeling like we're ready to just go to that day and rejoice, when we are not feeling fulfilled in our lives, when we're questioning that there has to be more, or sometimes we just get so numb. We get numb and we think this is where we have to be and we don't even venture out. It's amazing to me. That is the prison effect. And I want to read, if you don't mind, the, the dedication of your book, because I think it puts everything into perspective. Yeah. You write, I dedicate this book to all the silent voices looking for something more. May this book bring you strength, courage, and beauty, and lead you to sing loud and clear the joy of your life. Gain your authoritative control, break out of your prison, and have the life you desire and deserve. I get the chills when I read that because, again, it resonates. It rings true. I was there. To say I was a silent voice is an understatement. What exactly is authoritative control? Oh, authoritative control. All right. We live either in, and this is actually psychology, we either live in an um, external locus of control or an internal. And, and they categorize us that way. And when either one of these, everyone has an equal balance of this, but when one gets worse than the other, external is when we are blaming outside ourselves. Like it's the fast food places that are making me fat. It's the uh, teacher's fault that I am getting an F. That's outside. Internal is kind, I feel like that can be worse because then you are saying, oh my gosh, Everything that happens is my fault. Everything is, ha and they blame themselves and they beat themselves up. If they get a, a B on the test for weeks and weeks, they will just punish themselves for not getting an A. So that's the extreme. Like I said, we have a good dose of both of those in a normal everyday thought, but lots of times these get overboard. Now, a, you'll see a great many people in external always blaming something else. But then something happens. Something happens in your life, it knocks you right from right on the side of the head, and you think, oh my God, now what happened here? Either you lost your job, or maybe someone broke up, or there's a divorce, or something where your life calamity just goes wham. And all of a sudden you find that these areas you've been operating all this time aren't working and are not helping you. And that's where you start to ask why. And there's two ways you can go. Some people actually go right to the psychiatrist and get an anxiety pill because they can't handle it. And that puts them down another road. And, but if you dare to just open your eyes and say, there's got to be something more, then you start to enter into authoritative control. You start to take the steps to gain control over yourself, your life, and understand the bigger picture. And that's when the magic happens. That's authoritative control. Is this similar or the same as taking responsibility? <laughs> yes. That's what it is, right? Yeah, I've had people actually tell me, oh, no, not that responsibility thing again. <laughs> What? I, 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 that's, that's absolutely, okay, well, fine. No, not that responsibility thing again. Continue going where you're going, right? <laughs> right, but I try to sneak it in. But yes, you do have to take responsibility. But when you do, my gosh, that's when you start to feel empowered. That's when you start to feel like, 
I can do this. And, and it's freeing. It's freeing when you take responsibility. Yeah, one of the one of the people online I, I follow is Tom Bilyeu, who has uh, Impact Theory is his show, and his his most impactful uh, blog article he talks about was when he spoke of the phrase, and he has this now printed on T-shirts, and it gets people riled up. Like you were saying, not that responsibility thing again. He took it to the absolute next level. He wrote an article, and his phrase is. Everything is my fault. And people really get angry hearing that because they want to defend that. But truly, when you really know and understand what he's saying, that's what we're talking about here. That's when everything makes sense. Yeah. And how it's different than that internal locus of control I was talking about is that you can say everything's my fault, but you don't feel when you're in authoritative control you're not beating yourself up in fact it makes you feel well if i if it's my fault then i can change it it gives us an opportunity there's a big difference and 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 that makes the difference the forward of your book written by bob proctor ah yes it is Amazing. Uh, if you don't know, Google him. If you do know, you know who he is. Incredible. How in the world did that happen? Oh, Bob came uh, in, you know, they say when you are ready, the teacher appears. He appeared. I don't even know how he appeared. But all of a sudden I saw him in this little video and he said, he pointed his finger outside that video and said, you need to come see me. And I thought, yes, I do. And I flew on a plane to his matrix event and I fell in love with that man up there and what he was saying. And I said, I have to meet him. And that was it. I was going to meet him. I went high and low trying to meet this man. And now what, a few years later, he is my best friend. I talk to him and he's, he's my mentor, my best friend. He's someone I call. Gosh, I, do I have time for a funny story? Please. Okay. Everyone needs a mentor, first of all. You need that other I. And even I, um, I had a time in my life when I, you know, I never have trouble filling an event, but I was having trouble filling this event. And, and this was not a problem I was acquainted with. And so I'm thinking, what in the heck is going on? What is going on? And I got myself worked up. And it was a Sunday morning and I texted him and I said, Bob, can I talk to you? And he says, and it was like eight o'clock, okay? And he said, I know he's early. And he says, yes, give me a call right now. And I called him and he goes, he says, you know, in 50 years, I don't think anyone has ever called me on a Sunday morning. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Not> a mentor. <laughs> wow. What, what if, I, I, first of all, I love that you said, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I say that as often as I possibly can because it's true. I've experienced it. I get it. I have a similar story where, you know, when I was ready, the mentor, the person who has and is helping me in every regard currently along this personal growth and development journey I'm on appeared and sometimes you wonder how or why or but you just accept it and it's like thank goodness i was ready my eyes have been open yes and that's what it is my eyes are open that's what yeah. it's all about changes everything 
I absolutely love that. So take us back a little bit because I want to connect the dots and see the big picture of how we got to this incredible place where you are today helping people discover their their happiness and their their desires. I, I've been lost, my goodness, all all of my life, most of my life, decades of my life, couldn't figure anything out, angry, miserable, frustrated, confused, depressed, all of that ate me alive and just slowly but surely able to finally crawl yourself out and we'll get to that end of it shortly. But I want to go back to the beginning and help us paint that picture. What was Elena Chapman like growing up as a young girl? (laughs) Well, Elena Chapman, when I was little, I remember way back. I mean, I remember when my dad was teaching me to swim and he said, you can be anything you want to be, but you have to really want it. So I had that in me. And my mom was quite the other way. And I didn't really, I didn't really know my mom very well. I was a very independent um, well, I think they labeled me as bossy back then, but I tend to say that I'm more, uh, I know what I want. <laughs> and I didn't see, I did not, I was always thinking outside the box as a kid. I wanted to be a scientist, so I do that. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Well, we opened it up on my front steps. I just did, that's the kind of girl I was. And that, that was good because when life starts taking hold those challenges usually you can get through them and you face your fears and I always say that if you have that foundation but then all of a sudden life will knock you by the side and you're thinking where am I and that is when everyone no matter how strong their foundation is starts to ask why and I did too Hmm. So your childhood seems um, you know, somewhat ideal. You're supported, you're, you're uh, creative, you're determined, you're type A, you're, as you say, bossy. Um, how did all that uh, wind up for you? Did that continue for much of your young life? It did, but I mean, I had my own. Uh, when I uh, was 10 was a learning experience. 10 was when we moved from the Catholic school because the nuns and I didn't get along. <laughs> and so we moved to um, a very experimental public school, which was great. Except one, you know, you always get something. And this little girl pretended to be my friend, but then lied about me, these terrible lies. And she alienated me from the whole grade. Now, and I was always a social butterfly. So that was, that was very new experience contrast that we decided immediately we did not like. But the thing, it got worse and worse because her older sisters would chase me home through the woods, over the railroad tracks. It sounds like Little Red Riding Hood, but it really was. And through the elementary school, up the street, I mean, they would chase me. And I, was, I ran, thank goodness I was fast. But it was a hard year. And I was not happy. And I'll tell you what, though, there came a time when I had had enough. And we were walking back from art class, which was outside the school building. The whole class was walking back. And she got all the girls to jump on my back. And I was not a very big little girl. And so I, um, I tried to ignore it. 
tried to, re, you know, turn the other cheek, all that good stuff you learn. And I was not feeling good about it. But then I saw her, she was not very small. And I saw her running up. And I thought, there is no way I'm letting this jump on my back. And I just made a decision. I wasn't going to take it anymore. And so when she got, I watched and watched. And as she got really close, I turned and I grabbed her arm and I twisted it up behind her back. And it scared her. It, it, she just didn't expect it. But I met the fear in me. I'm, I wasn't worried about her two sisters beating me up. I wasn't worried that she was going to get vengeance. I was going to say, this is not going to happen anymore. And you know what? It stopped after that. Of course, she then said, oh, she's so awful. But everyone else was saying, wow, she really stood up for herself. Do you see? So it's meeting those fears. And that, you know, I was just as scared as anybody. But I met my fear. And I conquered it. Wow. How, how long was that going on for? Oh, the whole year. Well, it started in fall. And then when she jumped on my back was literally spring. And did you, did you tell anybody? Did you talk to your parents about it? Did you tell the teachers about it? Or did, it, or did you just let it go? Uh, about the whole situation? Oh, no, I was very loud. <laughs> I didn't like having to run home. I would have to stop at the country store on, on the road. I grew up in Vermont, on Shelburne Road and call my mother almost every night to come get me because I couldn't run any further. And uh, I know my mom talked to the school, but bullying is still not addressed in the schools very well. And kids um, suffer a lot. And now they're being told, I mean, when my little boy was in school and I was turning into a bullying session, but when my little boy was in school and he said, mom, this little boy keeps picking on me when I'm in line. I said, you warn him once, you warn him twice. And then the third time when he does it, you elbow him. <laughs> and that bully turned out to be his best friend later. I, I love the comparison. So you finally stuck up and took it no more. You gave your child the same advice and that turned around. What do we, how can we apply that to our businesses or lives today? Oh my gosh. Every time we let fear win, it knocks us down. It keeps us in a box. Every time we don't, if we let fear win, it keeps us from growing. And we are not here, and listen very carefully, we are not here to feel stuck. We are not here to just stay in the same place our whole life. We are not here for this. We came here to experience this world, to, to wiggle our toes in the grass, to splash the water on our face, to look up at the sky and rejoice. We are here to experience every part of this life. And whatever keeps us not doing that is hurting us. It's, it's, it's defying our purpose here. So look at your life. What is it that you're fearing? Fear of money, nonsense. People have been fearing money since the beginning of time. Money is energy, energy, that's all it is. It's neither good nor it's bad. It's not good or bad, hear me again. It's not good nor bad, it's you who make it so. So you have to think about it. It can be my friend or it can be my foe. What do I want it to be? Nothing should be feared. It's, 
it's so funny we're connecting these two words because um very recently a week or two ago um i made a video with the title fear is a bully and the whole concept was how just like a bully in real life needs your cooperation to be intimidated to be scared to be uh resistant to them fear is the same way so if you change the whole game everything happens and i love that it's about just once and for all saying stop it no more enough of that whether it's a a physical uh childlike bully that you've experienced and i know so many of us have experienced that or in the fashion of fear as an adult. And I, I love it. Life is meant to be experienced. And no person should or could dare get in your way for that well-being. Yes. And when you start, and, and you know, talking about that, because a lot of times, you know, Earl Nightingale once said that there is, our, our greatest disease is conformity. And why do we have conformity? And we want to fit in, right? We want to fit in. We're taught to fit in. We're taught from the time we, we start to walk how to fit into society. And the thing is, conformity, community is fantastic. Community strengthens and, and, and gives us support. Conformity forms apathy for life. And we're so scared of being different. And, we're, and we don't even see the purpose of being different. And it just squashes our dreams. Conformity is probably the worst thing. And really, when we, how do you beat conformity? Well, you have to start, actually, the best way is to start activating your imagination. And I mean, I'm serious, I'll give you a quick exercise, and it's easy. Just sit out, walk in nature, sit out under a tree on a beautiful day and start thinking crazy, just like I'm going to walk on the moon. What would it be like to walk on the moon? And what if I decided to be an international bestseller? What would that be like? And don't knock yourself down. Just allow it to flow and just all these wonderful, wonderful things you can be. And you know what will happen? One day you'll wake up and you'll say, gosh, I just want to start journaling today. Or I just want to start carving something today. That's what happened to me, Josh. I woke up one morning and I said, I'm just going to start journaling all these things that I'm learning. And I went to Starbucks and I started journaling. And that wasn't a plug, but that's what it was. And I sat there and before I know it, I had a book. And that was my first international bestseller. Anything. Yeah, yeah, stunning. It's it's so it's so amazing how we like you said conformity is our biggest enemy on so many levels we just want to fit in but yeah. then we realize that once you're able to step out of that and be yourself you're still going to fit in with the right people who relate to you. You're never isolated. You're never so excluded that you're this type of person that nobody can relate to. Being yourself means that you are going to attract and be able to surround yourself with the people that love, admire, respect, get, and appreciate all the parts of yourself that you are freely endorsing. That's exactly right. And you've got to remember the people who are naysaying the problem is, is that they 
can't see themselves doing it. And if they can't see themselves doing it, then they don't think you should. And it's not, they're not trying to be mean. They really think they're trying to save you some problem. But really, really, it's the, the biggest naysayer when I decided that my book was gonna be a book was a really close friend. He was the most serious naysayer. And then I found out he was the first one to order my book when I had it done. They want you to prove to them it can be done. Wow. It's, it's, all this, it's all this fear. And that's where I'm currently in my life with this brand and with these episodes and with everything I'm doing. It's, it's to break free from that because I was crippled by that for decades. And I didn't do much. I, I did play it small. And I know you have so much to talk about on that. Um, but I want to finish up the part of your story when you were 10 and 12 and teenager in high school. So you stuck up for the bully. Uh, you told her never again. She didn't again. How did the rest of your school age years turn out? Oh, my school age years? Well, I didn't have the fear. So I didn't have problems with bullies. I didn't have, you know, even if, even in high school, the worst bully there, I ended up teaching her Shakespeare. You know, I mean, I didn't have, I have a knack for that. She didn't. So that's how we, we worked that deal out. And I mean, I just never had, I conquered it. So it wasn't scary anymore. And I didn't think anyone had the right to, to tell me I was not doing what I needed to do unless they could prove it. And that they had to earn my trust versus just me trusting them blindly. And it really served me for a long, long time. And my life was good. I was doing beautifully. I actually started studying all of Wayne Dyer's stuff at 18. And that's because I didn't understand what everybody else was, <laughs> what was wrong with them. Because they were so grumpy and everybody was saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, and I just thought, what is wrong? What happened in this world? And I decided to learn why people were so negative. But you know, everyone, the only worst time in my life and really what led me to write the book and to also start the group Savvy Sisterhood was when I started listening to people like my father who I adored um, tell me what I needed to do with my life. And it took me off where my spiritual and, and living experience should be. And when that happened, and I, I had to find my way back, but finding my way back wasn't as easy as twisting that girl's arm behind her back. It was a, a harder, um, very hard road. And it taught me so much about not only taking our control, but understanding how much control we really have, whether we know it or not and how powerful the perception of how we see things and how we see ourselves fit into the world is so important to seeing opportunities and the, and the truth about life. So I learned all that trying to get back onto my path. And that's when Bob Proctor, who taught me the most valuable lesson of all, and that's how to truly let go to let go of the past, but more than that, to let go of even that journey you're on, to not own it, just be it. And what really happens? These are the things I teach. That's why people call me the soul nurturer, because you are truly tapping in and living by that 
beautiful spirit of yours and trusting. And that's when you start to see synchronicity. That's when you're starting to see absolute miracles. And you actually see this level of life that is magical that so many people don't see. Chilling, chilling, chilling. What was the thing your father told you that you said um, derailed you for a minute? What did he want you to do? I had to get married to a man he wanted me to marry. <laughs> okay, let me, let me get this right. So you're how old at this time? I was 26. And he basically said in no uncertain terms, Elena, you are to marry this man? Yes. Go ahead. Well, he thought that this man would provide for me. He had a very wonderful career. He had a wonderful uh, everything. And I was at that time studying music. I was studying self-development all along. I got certified up to Wazoo. Well, actually, when I got married, I stopped, Josh. I stopped studying because I felt like I was just so off from where I wanted to be. But when I first got married, I thought, okay, we can make this work. I have three beautiful kids from it, but he didn't like anything. He, all my dreams, his dreams were squashed, so my dreams had to get squashed. And I'm not a happy girl if all my dreams are squashed. So, I mean, this is, I, this is matchmaking, not unheard of by any stretch of the imagination. When he presented this man uh, and said, this is who you're going to marry, did you already know this person or was it brand new from there? And how much later were you married? I had been dating him, but I had come to the conclusion in my life that that person was not right for me. And he said, well, since you've been going with him for so long and you and he are, are together, basically, then you have to marry him. And that was that. And he was also very pleased because I had chose to be in music, which he found a vow of poverty <laughs> in music because it's not a doctor or a lawyer or a scientist or a banker or anything. It's a musician. And so I understand he thought he was taking care of his daughter. He thought he was doing the best. And I can't say it wasn't all awful. You know, in the beginning, we did have a lot of fun. I do have three gorgeous boys from this. And I learned, trying to get out of that, I learned valuable lessons that now I can help others before they get into it. You know, I can help them. And if they're into it, I can help them navigate out of it with more ease and becoming the person they want versus that bitter, unhappy person they could have the option of doing. How long were you married? How long was I married? 12 years. 12 years. And looking back or in the moment, were you happy-ish or was it just toxic and terrible and, and waiting for it to end? first two years were wonderful. You know, we were having fun. It was, um, but I was also getting my doctorate in music. I was um, quickly becoming one of the leading women conductors in the Northeast state. And I was just, I loved my choirs. And so I had all that and I thought he understood. But as we started, I started having children. He said, well, you know, you can't, you, I don't want you doing that anymore. And you got to drop that choir and you got to drop your doctorate. All I had to do was a dissertation. Oh my gosh. So then that was gone. And I, I went through an identity crisis. That's first. 
And I didn't, uh, because I had been working on that forever and, and it was gone. So first I went through an identity crisis and then I started to apply myself in other ways, but everything had a limit. Too much of a mother, you're, you're a workaholic in motherhood. And he just didn't like anything but me being paying attention to him. So it, was, it went downhill. From there on in, we were not very good, <laughs> to say the least. How did it end? Um, I ended up filing for divorce. And I wanted to try to work it until the kids were older, but um, I couldn't anymore. I couldn't take it. And then when I did go through divorce, the divorce was not good. And um, I did change Indiana law and trusts. Um, I did, I held on for support. I held on for a long time, but this that has a good ending on the divorce side. And, the, um, and then on top of that, some person, I can't say because I don't know, but we were bullied for six and a half years. The divorce was five and a half. The, the bullying was very severe. Um, it hit on every front, economic, uh, trust, um, perception, created a whole, they, the extreme of creating a whole different world to build a lack of trust in me was phenomenal. It was genius. And I had to, I had a friend say, Elena, a girlfriend, and this is why I started Savvy Sisterhood. A girlfriend said to me, Elena, just control your own circle. Don't try to change everything. Control your own circle. And my God, that opened my eyes. I didn't have to cure everything that was overwhelming. I could control just the things that I could control. And that was my kids building a family among this, deciding, did I want to be pulled down into that garbage or did I want to build a life safe with my kids? It started to change my perception. Powerful. One phrase. Powerful. Wow. So much there. So you are in the story. You're now on the other end of this divorce where does your life go from here? Oh my gosh, the stuff I learned. I kept just helping my children and dealing with the divorce half and just taking care. If, if the bullying did happen, I would, I would you know, be proactive about protecting my kids, my home as much as I could, and then I'd go with the flow. But I'll tell you, that can build so much anger in you if you allow it and so much bitterness. But you know what I kept doing, Josh? And I, this is big. I kept forgiving all the way through. I swear, sometimes on some days, I was doing it three times a day. And I mean, truly trying to forgive. And it changed me. With the support I went through, I went to the top of the Indiana. I, I'm in Indiana. I went to the Supreme Court of Indiana. And I decided right away that instead of being, um, saying we gotta win, we gotta win, I got to the point where I, because I was forgiving so much, I said, just let it be for the betterment of all. And, and I started to be nice to my in, ex-in-laws and my ex, and I was trying to build relationships, and I lost. I lost that Supreme Court hearing. Okay. What was, the, what was the, the ruling or the judgment about? 
Uh, they did not want a, I lost on two counts. I lost that they didn't want, there, there was a trust involved and I just wanted the money that was earned from the trust to be factored into support. And I wanted colleges covered and I lost on both counts. So that's the way it went. And I said, okay, I trust the universe. If this is betterment for all, so be it. And I let it go. Okay, now here it goes. You're gonna love this. So I'm driving down in Indianapolis and I get a call from my in-laws. And they said, Elena, we know what you were fighting for and don't worry, it's all gonna be taken care of. Hmm. See, when we just trust and we wish for the better good in our life, so we want to make a million dollars, but you don't just think of the million dollars. You think, what are you, what are you going to do? What's going to impact to make that million dollars? And what is, what is something that the universe is going to grab hold of and, and make happen? And it's never going to happen in the way that you think it's going to happen. But you have to have faith that the universe is on your side, which it is. You know, it's on everyone's side. We're here to experience and grow. So if you keep that vision out and you follow with your heart and your trust, then it will turn out. It will. Honest to God, it will. I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm truly, literally choked up right now. Uh, it's, just, it's just true. It's, it's just brilliant. And I'm hearing some of the keywords you're talking about and connecting you to Bob Proctor, which I know his teachings are based on Think and Grow Rich, and you're talking about faith and desire. It's all in the book, right? Uh-huh. It's all in the book. It's in a lot of books. That's a great book, though. <laughs> it, it, it sure is. It's, it's, it's in my backpack currently and constantly. Um, let's talk about playing it small, something I could relate to in, in all my years of living in a constant state of fear. That, that was me. Uh, I, I played less than small. I, I wasn't strong enough to speak up, to stand up, to be seen, to input, to ask, to want, to need, any of those things. So I just tiptoed through life. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about playing small. A lot, a lot of people play small. And, and it happens for a lot of reasons. Fear, fear of stepping out and above. I've heard some people say, I can't do better than my parents. What's that? You know, I've, but some people just have this feeling that they don't deserve or they don't feel strong enough. And so, um, and, and they doubt, they doubt themselves. So learning to learn, okay, that's why I started, uh, Josh, that's why I, those are the same reasons playing small and not having a voice or stepping back is what I found that women, I, I know that you did it, but women do it all the time. We do it all the time. We, you know, if there are five men and ourselves and we know the answer and they don't, they will answer the question and we will step back and doubt ourselves. Can you believe that? And that's how you were living. That's playing small. But I started Savvy Sisterhood because it's hurting women so much. I also feel for you guys. <laughs> I'll start a men's group as soon as I start the women's. But, but I wanted to help women because it's hurting them in every facet. And this is not the time for us to be like that. And I'm playing small in their lives. And I found that when we start to understand how absolutely beautiful 
men and women, how beautiful we are, just as we are, with every imperfection, with every fault that actually turns out to be our gifts. These faults are our gifts, guys. When we find out how beautiful we are, then that takes away some of the fear. We learn how to have fun. Yes, fun. Is that important? My God, is that important. When you can start to have fun, then you can start. I don't do anything if it's not fun. Honest to God, if it's not fun, I will make it fun. Why? Because I am on this earth for such a short time and I want to experience fun. I love fun. And fun brings me closer to my friends. It brings me closer to my life. It makes the journey I'm on so much more pleasurable. Learning how to have fun. And then third thing I teach to help people not play it small is that they tap in. I teach them how to tap in. And when they can tap in and they find that that voice, you always find when you really learn that that voice is love. That is our voice. And I don't care who you are, it really is love. And if you could feel that light of the, the universe or whatever, it is unconditional, accepting, total engrossing love. It is so wonderful. So when you know that, then you allow that to lead you in every part of your life. You can't go wrong. And it heals every relationship. It helps you to have faith in something so much bigger than yourself, total belief, and you know that you are on the right path. And it helps you to take the leaps. It helps you to conquer that fear because you know that you are part of something so much bigger than yourself, and that something is part of you. And that's how you learn to really not play it small. Incredible. I, the, separately, you said that uh, we, we, we are on this earth for such a short amount of time. So true. You, you have to realize that. That puts everything into perspective. We're, we're here and gone really before we know it. So are all the people, every single person you know and have ever known in your life, blink of an eye. I have two incredible children fairly new father, a five-year-old daughter, three-year-old son. They are my everything. Who knew I'd love being a father as much as I do? And that really, if nothing else, that puts it into perspective. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be gone before anybody realizes that I was here. And it's like that kind of thought is like, okay, I better, I better give as much love to these two adoring human beings with these two beautiful doe eyes looking back at me and like, okay, now what? Help us through this. Even though my daughter, as you're talking, Elena, is sort of like you. She's type A, wants to do everything herself. I do it. I do it. I do it. Okay, you do it. Everything is I do it. I do it. And now the little one, her amazing three-year-old brother, I'm so thrilled. They're like besties. They get they get um, uh, mistaken for twins all the time. And I'm like, no, they're actually two years apart. But uh, so they're, they're just attached by the hip. And the older one teaches the younger one all of her bad habits to get around everything she's learned. So she says, I do it, I do it. And then he says, I do it too, I do it too. So it's like everything has to be done twice. And it, it takes four times as long to get anywhere. <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you, you've been there. So the, the one piece I want to get your expansion on is, um, I, I love this. You said faults are our gifts. Can you give us an example of that? Gosh, yeah. If you guys, I know some people really condemn that movie, uh, Wrinkle in Time or that book, but I'll tell you something. Uh, I started analyzing that more and more and I was doing it naturally because I was looking back at my faults, but there's a line in there. I, I'd love to say that's original, but I'm not going to. It, she gave the little girl the gift of her faults. And it was right before the girl was to start out on her journey. And I really analyze that, and that's so true. And if people would just see, see, we've been labeled. We've been labeled our whole entire life. If we can get our kids to grow up without the labels and the limiting thoughts, do you know how this world would change? Oh my gosh. So, but one of the ways we do limit people is by labeling them. I'm a bother, I'm bossy, I'll never be pretty, I'll always be overweight labels labels and yet when i had to look at my faults the bossiness you know that caught every time i opened my mouth it was oh she's bossy would that quiet a child oh yeah so but when i grew up i saw that little bossy girl was the girl who could organize 150 college students to sing beautifully that bossy little girl was someone who when there was problems in our life when we were married and there was sickness i was the one who had to pull the family together that bossy little girl is not bossy she's one that can organize delegate and get things in order that's a gift yes thank you being light turned on i get it You've got to look at your faults and say, my gosh, but look at how that's, that's helped me. Okay, yeah. so you're overweight. You've always been overweight. All right. So look at that fault. Is that a fault or is that, were you meant to be someone who helps others adjust to how beautiful they are no matter what size? Look at your faults. They are not faults. They're your greatest gifts. Adore that. Funny enough, growing up, one of the things that just came to mind, I was always told that I, I talk too much and I ask too many questions. And as a child, you're like, okay, that's a bad thing. Check. Got it. And then you grow up and you're like, oh my goodness, being curious is like, you know, asking questions. That's, you read a list of the traits of successful people that's on it. So, and here we are. Um, quick side note, uh, you mentioned it a few times, a, um, a choir director, or I should say a choir um, orchestrator, conductor. Uh, could we hear any of these anywhere online? Oh, I don't think so. It was college. I don't think they, have, we never did beautiful, no. And online, oh, I'm aging myself. Ooh. Um, they are uh, before this big social media thing or else I would have had us out there. Uh, wonderful. My specialty was actually early music and women's choirs mm. so i mean do you have the the luxury of tapes or anything personally for your listen you know i do have um a children's choir that i did do uh, we did record that and i'd have to look at the university and see if they have the women's choir but you know i i love to tell you that i've kept up with all that but when i changed i changed it all i actually tried to go back after i had learned so much after my divorce and I found myself thinking, 
we're doing the kids a disservice in the college. That was my, because a lot of us, uh, we teach just classical at that time and, and classical isn't filling seats. And, and for every soprano you send out there to an audition, there are 300 other sopranos. So it's very, it's a very tough life. And I thought, you know, I wanted to bring in like all these contemporary artists who are mixing classical and new, but they wouldn't have it. And I just thought, you know, I couldn't do it anymore. What a fascinating journey. I'm a fan. Um, I, I, I spent many, many years, 15 plus years in the arts as an actor filmmaker. So I get it. I love it. Choir. I love chorus. I, I not personally, I, I love watching it and appreciating it. So uh, it's good stuff. Looking back on your life, what advice would you give your younger self? That's a fantastic question. <laughs> I like that. All right, what would I tell my younger self? Believe in yourself and believe in the universe. Just believe everything is going to be the way it's supposed to be. Enjoy the ride. So much trust you have to give in that, right? Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Yes, I do. I really honestly do. And, and it might not even be your journey. Sometimes we see someone suffering and we think this cannot be, but that's their journey. And what is your, and so do we just let them hang out there? <laughs> no, but our journey is to help them through it. And our journey is to be there for them. But it is ultimately, you have to let go and let them be their journey. You can help them find cures, you can keep them comfortable, but you can't live their journey. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? Spiritual. Yeah. Spiritual. Because I just, I just know that there is something so much bigger than ourselves. I do feel that, that, and I know the spirit is in every single one of us. Bob always says you have the perfect energy DNA running through you. Well, what he's saying in a, a secular society that doesn't always want to hear it, that energy, that energy is the, the perfect DNA, is that energy, is the energy that is in us, in every single person, it, but even more, every single animal, every single plant, everything on this universe is from one giant energy source. And it's everywhere. And so when we open our eyes to that, and I've experienced so much on what, you know, when you open your eyes to it, I can't even explain some of the magical things that I've had happen that I just look at and I think, oh my God, we are so connected. It just opens your eyes. And I, I think you need to experience it for yourself. But when you do, you won't doubt it one minute. You just won't doubt it. Beautiful. What do you think happens when it's all over? <laughs> oh, well, um, I don't think... Okay, first of all, I don't think there's a heaven and a hell. Um, hell, I do think, was made up for fear to keep people in control, under control, not in control, under control. Um, you put the fear of, they used to say, you put the fear of God in them. Well, no, you put the fear of hell in them. And so I don't believe in that. I do believe that, I do believe that people get lost because of this fear and they don't go to the light like they should. And what happens then, that's when you, you hear about hauntings and whatever. And I know some people say, no, that's not true. Well, come on, guys. Energy doesn't die. Energy is. That's Einstein, not me. 
okay? Energy is, that means it is, it is forever here. It doesn't die. So where do you think it's gonna go? If it doesn't go anywhere, it lingers. Energy lingers. You leave a room that bad person has been in, I've heard people say, oh, I can feel that energy. Yes, it's energy, it's alive. So when you die and you don't, you don't pass over, you don't go into that new life, which it is a new life of that wonderful, unconditional love, entering into that zone, that place, and just becoming one consciousness. That, that's true heaven. And when you do that, and with one source, which you can call that God, you can call it, you can call it whatever you want, but it's there then that is going home. That's going home. Do I believe we stay there if you really want to know? I don't know. I think we go through lessons. I think we have many lives. I really do. So. Yeah. There you go. I'm all exposed. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Just the way it should be. I will leave you with this one final question. How would you, Elena Chapman, like to be remembered? Oh, how would I like to be remembered? You know, I would like to be remembered as someone who helped so many find their purpose, their happiness, their fulfillment. And because I want to see a more peaceful, more loving world. So if I can just get as many people as possible to wake up, then I would be the happiest person in all my world. And of course, my kids, they're all doing fantastic. And, my, and, and I want to be remembered as someone who truly enjoyed and loved life. Well, you've made me the happiest person in the world right here, right now, which happens to be the only moment we have. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly such such a treat such a treasure elena really really happy tell all of our listeners how can they grab a copy of the book the prison effect how can they get involved in your group savvy sisterhood let's get them in okay thank you well if you want the book you can go to theprisoneffect.com piece of cake you go there and i'm and we have so many wonderful prizes or not prizes but gifts to give you when you purchase the book and well over a thousand dollars of gifts unbelievable gifts and then on for if you're a woman who wants to grow and you want a community and you want to share and you just want friends and you want to grow together which is fun go to savvy sisterhood and that's right on facebook guys and you write, right in that search bar, you type in join savvy with two V's, savvysisterhood.com. And then if you really want community and you want to join us in a class that's with the most amazing women I've ever met, then you press level two. And on level two, then you get to be on our Thursday Zoom classes that you will just you will see you will break through fast. I'm amazed. I'm amazed on how fast these women are breaking through. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I don't, I'm pretty truthful. If they weren't breaking through, I wouldn't tell you. But they're breaking through. Mm. So it's fun. So that's how you do it. We are going to link to all of that in and around this session. My goodness, I knew I was looking forward to this for some reason. I feel like we can talk about this for hours and hours more 
thank you, Elena, for opening up your candor, for sharing with us all that you give to the world. Well, thank you, Josh. I have totally enjoyed speaking with you. It's been a joy. I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody's ears who are tuned in to this episode. I hope you found a thing or two or more that you liked, that you enjoyed. Embrace that. Use it. It's for you. Make it work. Take action. Do what you can. Because as we said, it's over before we know it. With that, use it. Embrace it. Love it. It's for you. We're going to do this again real soon. You know that. Until next time, until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.